and welcome to this week's episode of Margaritas with Margarita Cheng, CFP Pro. I am Hope Katz Gibbs, proud to produce the show on Incandescent Radio and Incandescent TV. Today's guest, Dorit Lowson, the CEO of Change Finance, actually she's the co-CEO, will tell us about understanding the impact investing equation. Dorit has more than 20 years of professional experience across various industries, including IT, environment, and finance, and a range of modalities, including Fortune 500, startup, government, and nonprofits. So clearly, you bring a wealth of knowledge to this conversation. So I'm going to throw it over to Miss Margarita to ask you a bunch of questions. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for the introduction, Hope and Dorit. Welcome. We are so excited to have you. Um, this is such an important topic that is truly near and dear to my heart. So we'll jump right to it. How did you come to found Change Finance Public Benefit Corporation? Margarita, thank you so much for having me today. Uh, to kind of a winding journey to get here, but really the inspirational story for the for the journey that landed me here is a story I heard back in 2008 or 2009. Uh, in 2008, Walmart made a decision that was really transformational. Walmart decided it was going to stop selling milk that had human growth hormone. And within a matter of months, the whole dairy industry in the United States changed because no farmer can afford not to sell all their milk to Walmart. So that one decision at one major corporation just changed an industry. And it was really powerful to see how one decision in one corporation could make a whole industry change. And I sat with that uh, in the back of my mind for really years, wondering how I could be a part of making that kind of transformational change. And when the opportunity came along uh, at Change Finance to be a part of the founding team, it came about because I was a client of my co-founders at their predecessor business. That's how I got to know them and know what they could do with finance. I jumped at the chance and I jumped at the chance because I saw finance as a lever that I could use to influence the world's largest corporations to make more of the kinds of decisions Walmart had made back in 2008. So in 2016, we started Change Finance with the mission built right into the name to change finance, to change the way the industry thinks about itself and the way the industry is used to drive change across really all of our systems. We think of, of finance sort of as the mother of all human systems. It's the it's foundational across all of corporate, not just America, but globally. And, and our large corporations really drive so much of how the world functions today. That story is truly fascinating. It just goes to tell you, as you mentioned, one change can have just a tremendous impact on an entire, not just the industry, but the ripple effects, right? Right. Yeah. When we talk about impact investing, right, that has huge impact. It has economic impact. It has um, health and well-being impact for the, the consumers. Um, so it's really, really profound what kind of effect that has um, and how those ripples reverberate forever. Absolutely. It's truly fascinating. So as we transition, what is active ownership and why is it so important, particularly as it pertains to finance? Like it's important no matter what, but we talk about change finance and impact investing. One of the reasons that I got involved in change finance, one of the things that excites me about it is I saw 
uh, finance and capital markets as a lever that would give me as an individual um, the opportunity to make really powerful change in the world and the uh, opportunity to influence corporations like Walmart to make more of the kind of decisions uh, that were so impactful. And we do that through active ownership. That's the question that you just asked. What does that mean? When we own shares in a corporation, as we do when we are investors, ownership of shares comes with certain rights, including the right to vote proxies. That means every time that there is a general meeting every year, there's a ballot at that company, and it has a number of initiatives, resolutions, and uh, vote for board of directors on it. We have the right to vote on who sits on the board of directors and on whatever resolutions are on the ballot, which in recent years increasingly include a variety of resolutions related to how that company operates from a social and environmental standpoint, transparency around diversity and issues related to climate change and other things. So one way we can be active owners, whether we are individuals or as in our case, whether we are asset managers, managers of a fund that invests in uh, in companies is to vote our proxy ballots. You probably get them in the mails, individuals, pieces of you know, thick, thick booklets printed on really thin paper with really tiny print, and you probably throw them away. Or these days they may come by email and you don't know what they are and you probably ignore them. Don't. They're actually really important. They're a little hard to read. They're kind of dense, um, but they're really important and, and have uh, increasingly really interesting information in there about issues you probably care about. Um, so that's one, one thing that we mean by active ownership. And then we could go a step further because how do those resolutions that you vote on get on the ballot in the first place? Well, shareholders file them, they put them on the ballot. So as a shareholder, I have an opinion about something, something that I want the company to do more of or do differently or provide more information about, I can put a resolution on the ballot. I have to meet certain criteria in order to do that in terms of the, the number of shares I own or how long I've owned them for. Um, but I can put a resolution on the ballot uh, and then everybody can vote on it. Uh, and if it passes, it increases the likelihood that the company will respond uh, and do something. So there are ways that we as shareholders have a voice in how the company is managed, how the company is run. And so we can use our position as investors in the company to influence how the company behaves. And that is part of what we mean when we say change finance. I love that a lot of people think that they're powerless, they're voiceless. So in other words, there are things that ordinary investors can do to be more active. Don't just shred those proxy statements or hit delete. Absolutely. Don't just shred them or hit delete. They look big and they look scary, but they're actually, they're very important. They give you, they give you a voice and there are great sources you can go to for information about what's in there and, and, and how you might want to vote. Um, sources like As You Sow, which provides proxy guidance advice um, in kind of digestible form, um, particularly with a focus on, on the environmental and social issues that might show up on a ballot. Um, so that you can educate yourself uh, and make and make sense of of what is admittedly pretty dense legalistic language. So 
So what are some success stories? Because uh, people love to hear success stories. We, we heard a little bit about like, you know, the change of Walmart, but success stories with active shareholders. And what are some issues that active shareholders are addressing right now? Great. Well, one that um, we've been working on it uh, at Change Finance for the last several years um, in partnership with others, uh, really led by uh, our wonderful friends at Arjuna Capital, uh, is um, racial and gender pay equity. And they've been filing resolutions at a number of companies for the last several years. And we're really starting to see some success. We're starting to see companies uh, like, for example, MasterCard um, publish better quality data, more complete data about their racial and gender pay gaps. That's data that allows us to see whether whether they have pay gaps, how big are those pay gaps, and what kind of progress they're making on closing the pay gaps. The reality is that um, pay gaps are still a big problem um, here in the U.S. and globally. Women still make something like 80, I think current data says something like 81 or 82 cents on the dollar. Uh, you know, for every dollar that that men make, um, and the statistics get worse and worse and worse um, as you go through um, kind of minoritized groups. If you look at intersectionally, I don't have all of the numbers exactly in my head, so I'm not going to cite them. But we have historically not had good information to be able to see what is the source of that. We we know generally why it happens. We know that women leave the workforce at greater rates. We know that they. Um, are underrepresented at more senior levels and companies. And what we're asking companies to do is really assess their own data and then publish it so that investors and anyone else who wants to can have a look and see what's going on within those corporations because we don't really pay attention to and work on what we don't measure. And there's no real accountability of that measurement if that data isn't public. And so by measuring the right data and making it public, we're holding companies accountable. We aren't expecting perfection in the first years that the data is is made public because we know that there are no companies out there that are really perfect yet. That's not a reasonable expectation, but we we do expect is, is transparency and then progress. Then we have a yardstick we can measure progress against. We can see if... Um, programs maybe that they've put in place are actually working, which we can't do if we don't have a yardstick to measure. Companies have been reporting for years about all of the wonderful programs they have, diversity programs and and leadership development programs and so on and so forth. Um, And yet we know from broad spectrum population data that the pay gaps persist. And so the programs aren't solving the population-wide problem. And so maybe they aren't solving problems at the individual company level either. And now we are starting to be able to see when we when we move forward and start to get some of the some of the world's largest corporations, some of the country's largest corporations to commit to making important data public. That's an important first step. So that's a place where we're starting to see progress. Just a few years ago, there were no companies publishing the kind of data that we want to see. And now there are now there are a good handful, half a dozen or so. And the great thing is once a few first movers start to do it. They make it easier for others to follow. And eventually it becomes a standard thing that more and more companies are doing. And then and then it really shines a light on the laggards who aren't um, and becomes a standard. So that that's the industry shift that we're looking to drive. 
No, absolutely. I mean, it's like awareness. We know it's a problem. Companies need to acknowledge their role. And then the last A is action, right? And once exactly. we sustained meaningful action or a meaningful sustained action, then people will see that, hey, there are some people who are actually making progress, right? Exactly. So last but certainly not least, I feel like we could have a whole weekly podcast just about this topic. It, it makes my head spin. So ESG. So much backlash. Why are we getting so much backlash? And myth versus myth conception, two truths and a lie, right? (laughs) Well, you know, I think the backlash is is really largely political. You can see that it falls very strongly along political lines. And you can go into the states where the backlash is fiercest. And you can see that even in those states, the people that actually manage the money aren't the ones pushing back. Pension managers in those states are saying, hey, you know, political restrictions on ESG investing are making it impossible for us to do our jobs. Um, Because really, you know, at a fundamental level, ESG investing is about risk management. Um, And yes, it helps investors align investing with their values. And that's important for people. But fundamentally, it's about risk management. The reality is, the climate is changing. We see that around us now all the time. We saw fires and flooding and increasing hurricanes and tornadoes, and the list goes on. If you are a company and you are, say, building a new facility, and we are trying to invest a lot in getting companies to bring manufacturing home to the U.S., well, that means that means building new factories. If you're building a factory and you are not thinking about climate change when you are choosing where you're going to put that factory and how you're building that factory, you are doing a disservice to yourself, to your investors, because climate change is real and it's really a factor. It's something you have to be thinking about if you are responsible as a corporate leader. And so if that then it comes back to me as an investor. If I am thinking responsibly about how I'm investing my money, I have to be paying attention to how corporate leaders are thinking about climate change and, and mitigating climate change and how they are contributing to climate change. Otherwise, I'm not being responsible in how I am making investment decisions because come five years or 10 years when the next hundred year or thousand year flood hits that region, which they're now doing every five or 10 or 15 years and not every thousand years, if they didn't think about how to plan for that, and now it hits their share price because their brand new factory gets washed out, that affects my investors. And so I have to be, I have to be paying attention to that. It's irresponsible of me as an investor not to be thinking about that. And if I'm hamstrung because I'm not allowed to think about that, that's really a problem. And I think it's going to show up. That's going to be really clear for people. So, so I think that this is, it's a lot of hot air. I think it's very political and I don't think um, it's going to last very far beyond the sound bites because I think it, it, it fundamentally just can't because it's really not, because it's really so fundamental and, and, and anybody who manages money understands that it's actually fundamentally material to, to responsible financial management. 
That's what I love how you ended it on materiality and being a fiduciary means doing what's in the best interest. And you can't do what's in the best interest if you're not thinking holistically, globally, and managing that risk. So as we wind down, where can viewers and listeners learn more about change finance? You can share websites, social media, handles, blogs, and so forth. Yeah, um, certainly come to our website at change-finance.com. Um, we are also on social media, uh, on Twitter, I think at ChangeFin and on uh, LinkedIn. Um, you can find us uh, both places, mo- mostly on, on LinkedIn, but uh, change-finance.com is our, is our website, probably the best source for information. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us. Now back to you, Hope. Thank you. Thank you, Dorit. Thank you, Rita. This is fascinating and so important. I loved what you had to say. I hope everyone hears you. So you are listening to this week's episode of Margaritas with Margarita Chang, CFP Pro. I'm Hope Katz-Gibbs, producer of the show on the Incandescent Radio Network and Incandescent TV. We will talk to you again next week. Have a great one. Thank you so much for being part of our Incandescent Radio and TV family. This is Hope Katz-Gibbs, founder of Incandescent Incorporated, the PR and publishing company for women entrepreneurs. Our Incandescent Radio and TV shows are brought to you by our advertisers and clients. Margaritas with Margarita Chang, CFP Pro, brings us 15 minutes of tips every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live, where you'll meet experts who are helping us flex our financial muscles. Find all of the episodes at margaritachang.com. You'll also meet intuitive psychotherapist Kara Keem, who interviews therapists and other intuitive guides from around the world. Learn more at karakeen.com. And you're going to love social justice expert Karen Hanrahan, CEO of the San Francisco-based Glide Memorial Foundation. She bridges the gap from local impact to global change on her thought leadership show on Incandescent Radio. Learn more about Karen at karenhanrahan.com. You're also going to love Alina Liao, founder of the radical wellness journaling company, zenitjournals.com. Alina asks, have you tried to journal but found it hard to keep up? Zenit makes it easier to journal for your wellness. With Zenit, you can customize your journal with prompts that speak to you. No more blank pages. Your Zenit is your personalized space to take care of yourself. Website, zenitjournals.com. Feel it, write it, Zenit. You'll also meet amazing Tracy Schott, founder of voicesforchange.com. Tracy is determined to change the world and end domestic violence. Learn more at voicesforchange.net. And we are so thrilled to be publishing a book for Angela Mitchell, who is the tech expert of case management. And she's also the founder of this fabulous organization, Kids Code 2. She is determined to teach kids to code computers. Talk about teaching a kid to fish. We invite you to discover and peruse all the Incandescent Incorporated websites, the magazine for women, by women, about women, incandescentwomen.com. Our health and wellness magazine is beincandescent.com, the business of mind, body, spirit, soul, and heart. Our YouTube channel is incandescent.tv. And you can learn about our PR and book publishing services at incandescent.us. If you'd like to have your own radio and video show, check us out at incandescentradio.com, where you can see what we can do for you. These podcasts are also featured on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Our podcasts are produced by Brandy Wilsker. Our videos are produced by Nelson Benavides. 
Our website developer is Max Kukoy, and our incandescent illustrator and designer is Michael Glenwood Gibbs. If you'd like to learn more, please send me an email, hope at hopegibbs.com. Here is to your incredible, indelible, incandescent success. Much love and many thanks.